a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, the night that I share sex in the news with you and some of the stories that we'll be following. How happy couples argue. Uh, talk about weird engagement rings. Wait till you hear what this guy did. Uh, and Trump wants doctors to be allowed to uh, discriminate. Plus, we'll talk about a rapper who, um, well, has taken parenting a little too far. And that's probably our top story uh, of the week. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514 800 you can also send me your questions by email to lori at drlaurie.com like this uh, fellow did. I'm a 24-year-old man and a virgin. There have been plenty of opportunities to have sex, but every time I get into bed with a woman, I can't get or maintain an erection. My fear of not being able to perform has led me to avoiding sex altogether. I think this might be because of my porn addiction, which I'm finally taking steps to address. I feel like a total failure, especially around my friends who are far more sexually experienced than I am. How do I stop hating myself? So right now your focus is on uh, trying to lose your uh, virginity, but you're putting an awful lot of pressure on yourself. Uh, If you add the the pressure and the self-loathing, well, this is inevitably going to lead to um, erectile dysfunction. So maybe stop thinking of viewing women as a means to an end and maybe approach them with the intention simply of dating, no pressure, just getting to know them and having some fun. And then if you find someone that you really like, well, then allow things to uh, develop slowly. Like you build up to that and that will happen you know, when you allow to get to know somebody and start to feel safe with that somebody, uh, then you'll be able to, uh, to do this. But you have these, um, maybe these really high expectations that you've placed on yourself and you're trying to, you know, be like Mr. Porn star or what have you. Well, no, uh, that that's not going to work. So, um, lower your expectations Think about first getting to know somebody rather than making it the goal to, uh, to lose your virginity. So <clears throat> you're going to have to accept that it takes time to learn how to be um, a good lover and that with each person it's going to be uh, different. You want to learn how to be a good lover? Then talk. Talk to your partner. Uh, ask for feedback. Listen. Learn. Uh, and this is really important in terms of pornography. It's not that this is causing it, but you're, it's setting you up to have unrealistic expectations possibly. And maybe you need to start fantasizing about real life women rather than looking at all of that imagery. So kind of weaning yourself towards, uh, towards real life women and real life encounters, and that might change it up for you. Um, you can also work with a relationship, but not a relationship, but a dating coach who can help you, um, like give you tips on best ways to approach and how to divulge information, how to, uh, um, find out, you know, if, if somebody is worth dating or pursuing, uh, and even how to approach and how to talk about 
your nervousness, which is perfectly normal. And I can tell you, it's okay. Women will can accept that, that you might be uh, nervous and that guys are nervous the, the, the first time. And the first time with a new partner, not necessarily the just because you're, um, you're a virgin as well. <clears throat> All right, if anybody has any tips uh, for uh, the people who write in, your own tips, your own thoughts, or your own questions, do send them in at 514-800. Is it true that men, most men who cheat are unhappy in their marriage? So you would think that, right? You would think that people who cheat, it's because they're unhappy. And sometimes that's the reason they give, oh, I'm in an unhappy marriage and uh, therefore it's okay or something like that. But it's not true. More than half of men who have affairs actually state that they're happy in their marriages. And there's a a few studies done on uh, on this stuff. What's interesting though is that more so the majority of men so more than half of the men say they're happy but much less than half of the women who have affairs say they are happy or very happy in their uh, marriages only about a, a third of the women who have affairs uh, state that they are happy in their uh, marriage and men are, are far more likely to uh, give sexual motivations for their infidelity and they're less likely to fall in love, like with somebody outside of uh, of their partner. But um, more uh, women are are more interested in uh, leaving their relationships, actually, than uh, than men. Sometimes it's just a, another strategy uh, to leave their marriage. So. It's interesting. Men and women are motivated differently by affairs, and this, uh, the studies uh, do do bear this out. So, another question: What are the signs of uh, genital herpes? So, this is a, a sexually transmitted infection. In fact, one it's one of the most common sexually transmitted infections uh, called the herpes herpes simplex virus and most cases of genital herpes are caused by infections by the herpes simplex virus type 2 so HSV type 2 type 1 is uh, the result of cold sores or or the cause of cold sores or fever blisters so the ones you get on your mouth but it can also be a cause of genital herpes so you can actually get the HSV1 on uh, on the genitals as well. Believe it or not, most people uh, with genital herpes don't even know they have it. That's because a lot of people they have no symptoms or they have such mild ones and they did they go away and they don't even um, notice them. But genital herpes is passed on through sexual contact. It's not it's skin to skin contact and it can be passed on even if the other person doesn't have signs or symptoms of the infection, which makes it really difficult because this is how oftentimes things are passed on because they're not, you don't notice them on your genitals. So you're go, you may have unprotected sex thinking you've got nothing and the other person thinking you've got nothing because nothing shows and they have nothing because nothing shows and therefore it gets... Um, it gets passed on, which makes it very unnerving, right? To have unprotected sex and even protected sex 
doesn't even protect you completely, although it's the best and only way we have is condoms, but doesn't necessarily uh, keep you away from uh, genital, uh, genital herpes. So that's the scary thing. So it enters through the skin, not through uh, bodily fluids and travels along nerve paths and, uh, and it can remain inactive basically. And it's there indefinitely. And some people get flare ups and other people, uh, don't, of course, when the virus is, is in its symptom phase, like when there's an outbreak, it makes it the most likely, uh, to, uh, to pass on. And what you would notice is, uh, is like, um, like sores, basically the same thing that you would get like a cold sore, you'd be getting those on your genitals. So they're like very small, uh, basically small blisters that could, uh, break open and just they they can be raw, painful sores. They scab and then they heal over, uh, within a few weeks. Sometimes you can get uh, symptoms like fever and, and swollen lymph nodes. There's uh, antiviral treatments that help, but there's no cure. So remember that. So ask your doctor for uh, those kinds of treatments. Coming up, our top story parenting gone just a tad too far. And I want to hear what you think about this as well. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. After 10.30 tonight, we play Dirty Minds. I'll give you a couple of clues and you tell me what it is. Dirty clues, the answer, not dirty. And your chance to win a one-month unlimited pass to 360 Punch, a boutique gym out on the West Island. All right, this story, I couldn't believe it. But this uh, was like the top story was all over Twitter and all over social media. I don't know who this guy is, I have to tell you, but he's this rapper and actor T.I. What the hell that stands for? No idea. But he said in a podcast interview that aired this week that he goes to the gynecologist every year with his daughter to check her hymen and make sure it's still intact. He talked about, uh, on an interview with uh, these ladies anyway, and he, um, when asked about whether he's had the sex talk with his daughters, he pointed to his approach with his eldest daughter. She's 18 years old in her first year in college. He says, not only have we had the conversation, we have yearly trips to the gynecologist to check her hymen. Yes, I go with her. Side note. A uh, girl does not have to go to the gynecologist uh, at 18 years old. Uh, once a, p- a person is sexually active a few years, then they can start going to the gynecologist. So this is already ridiculous. Uh, he then mentioned that after her 16th birthday party, he put a sticky note on the door, gyno, tomorrow, 9.30. And he goes on to say, so we'll go and sit down and the doctor comes and talk and the doctor's maintaining a high level of professionalism. He's like, you know, sir... I have to, in order to share information, I'm like DJ, DJ, that's the name of the daughter. They want you to sign this so we can share information. Is there anything you would not want me to know? See, doc, ain't no problem. 
T.I. also noted that he was informed the hymen can be broken in ways other than through sexual penetration. And so then, then he says, and so then they come and say, well, I just want you to know that there, oh no, that's not him talking. I just want you to know that there are other ways besides sex that the hymen can be broken, like bike riding, athletics, horseback riding, and just other forms of athletic physical activity. This is what the doctor says. He replies, so I say, look, doc, she don't ride no horses. She don't ride no bike. She don't play no sports. Just check the hymen, please, and give me back my results expeditiously. Expeditiously. <laughs> I even doubt he said that word. Then he added, I will say, as of her 18th birthday, her hymen is still intact. Well, of course, his comments sparked some backlash on social media, many people expressing shock and disgust, as I did. I, I didn't express it in writing, but I'm talking to you now. I was pretty uh, shocked about that. And just so you know, this whole virginity testing, which involves a doctor inspecting the hymen for tears or stretching, is widely considered an unnecessarily invasive practice that has no medical benefit. In fact, a report from the National Institutes of Health found that these tests can have a deeply negative psychological impact on women and girls. Uh, in a series of tweets denouncing his comments, a prominent OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Gunter, she wrote uh, actually a book uh, on women's sexual health, writes, the hymen is no virginity indicator. 50% of sexually active teens do not have a disrupted hymen. The hymen means nothing physically, and hymen exams are medically not a thing and are unnecessary, and support a disgusting patriarchal trope. Uh, the World Health Organization has vehemently denounced virginity testing, calling it a violation of the human rights of girls and women. Virginity testing has no scientific or clinical basis, the World Health Organization said in a statement. There is no examination that can prove a girl or woman has had sex, and the appearance of girls or women's hymen cannot prove whether they have had sexual intercourse or are sexually active or not. Um, wow. There you go. Uh, this is... Uh, this is parenting gone just uh, a, a little too far and how invasive. And now you wonder why um, that, you know, this child of his might be having anal sex. She might be having all kinds of sex, just not vaginal penile uh, penetration. And somebody asked me, why, why do you doubt that he said that word? I, I said it because in the way he was talking, <laughs> that just seemed like a big word for him to be using in the language which he was you know, stating his, uh, his point. Anyway, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I think that's just exaggerated and uh, invasive and out of date and I, I can't, I can't even find the adjectives, uh, for that. Somebody says she's 18. Is that even legal? Well, it's legal if she signs the consent form. So that's what, you know, the doctor had the girl sign the consent form, but I'd love to know what the mother thinks about that. Really? 
So she did consent. So imagine you have, you're an, this 18-year-old girl. Father is like tough, says, we're going to go check your hymen. You're not having some blah, blah, blah. She's scared of him. Like she's going to sign that consent form. But I can tell you one thing. If she's interested in sex, she's just going to go and have anal sex. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what a lot of people do to maintain their uh, virginity. Texter writes, this rapper has serious issues. He should stop worrying about his daughter and going with her to the gyno. Should go a few floors down and see a therapist. Idiot. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, Real idiot. To the test that is and giving the results, what about doctor-patient privilege? But she signed the consent form. So they went in together. She signed a consent form. And the doctor did his due diligence by saying, are you okay with me sharing these results? Uh, you okay with me doing the exam and with, uh, me sharing the results with your, uh, with your father. So it's crazy. Uh, talk about a helicopter over controlling clueless parent who's ultimately inadvertently only contributing in humiliating his doc, his daughter, not to mention destroying her self-esteem in the process. Uh, I agree with you on that. I think it's uh, it's horrible, and I think it will traumatize her. Sexually speaking, yeah, she will end up in therapy, no doubt about that. With that kind of dad, I'm listen. I, I I'm sure he means well. Like I, I don't want you know he he's trying to protect his kid, and uh, you know fathers sometimes have a hard time thinking of their little girls as as sexual beings, and so he's you know, afraid maybe he's looking at his own behavior as a, as a young, you know, horny teenager running after girls. And, and uh, maybe he saw how many girls he had sex with and he doesn't want his daughter being with any one of those guys like he was. Like, there's all kinds of those reasons, but nonetheless, what is he doing in the process? Um, if she's offering her consent out of fear, social services should uh, consequently become involved. Yeah. Mm. I actually knew an Indian girl that said it was known that they typically have anal sex because they're supposed to be virgins and that makes it okay. Um, yeah. Uh, he has sons. The other side, however, is that he has sons and does not take the same invasive approach to their sexuality. Yeah, I wonder about that. That's quite the double standard, isn't it? So it's okay for his sons to go out and have sex with other people's daughters, but he doesn't want his daughter in that in that position. So it's okay for the sons of that age, but not of the daughter. Big, big, big double standard there. Um, how do ha- happy couples argue? So we all know that in marriage, conflict is inevitable. Even the happiest of couples argue. Now there's research that shows that they tend to argue about the same topics as unhappy couples. And these are the main things that people argue over children, money, in-laws, and guess what? Sex and intimacy. So what distinguishes happy couples? So there's a study published in, uh, in the journal Family Process, and what they discovered is it's, it's the way that happy couples argue that make a difference. Happy couples tend to take a solution-oriented approach to conflict, and this is clear even in the topics that they choose to discuss. So obviously they observed uh, uh, different couples and gave them things to, to talk about. But 
Uh, all couples focused on issues with clearer uh, solutions, so like distri distribution of household uh, labor, for example. But these couples, the happier ones, tended to work on or pick the the not so hot button to issues and kind of learn how to resolve those and those skills help them resolve some of the bigger issues. So they work, they kind of work down, uh, work down the line with that. Coming up, I want to talk about engagement rings. Uh, we'll tell you, I want to give you a little bit of history about engagement rings, but this one guy uses this part of his body to make an engagement ring for, uh, for his girlfriend. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Sex in the news tonight, but first uh, let's play Dirty Minds. So I'm going to give you three clues. They sound a bit dirty, uh, but the answer is not. The first caller through to Aaron at 514-790-0800 will win a one-month unlimited pass to 360 Punch. It's a, a new gym in the West Island that uh, involves high-intensity uh, uh, training, interval training with boxing and kickboxing and all kinds of stuff. So uh, it's really, really amazing, um, and you could win that. Here, go, here are the clues. I only go down on you at night. I'm, my going down on you can leave you cold. When I beat on you, I make you hot. What am I? 514-790-0800. So a couple of texts here on some of the different stories that uh, I've been talking about uh, on the happy marriages and, and couples who are happy, how they uh, deal with conflict. That's what determines happiness for many. Uh, my girlfriend and I have a few rules. First, no raising voice. Second, no interrupting. Third, do not go to bed upset. And lastly, sometimes agree to disagree when possible. Then he adds, but there are times I just want to yell, shut the F up. <laughs> Uh, and for this uh, crazy rapper, that rapper's wife should in turn bring him to the doctor once a year in order to inspect and determine whether his sperm is still fer fertile and viable, rather, to see how he would consequently feel in the process instead. I think that wouldn't even be humiliating enough uh, what he's doing. Has anybody, anybody got the right answer? I have somebody who's got the answer on the text board, but I need you to call in with the answer. 514 790 0800 and one more time I'll give you the clues I only go down on you at night my going down on you can leave you cold when I beat on you I make you hot what am I it's a pretty easy one although I'm horrible at this game just sharing I'm horrible all right let's talk about engagement rings for a moment even though most of us know diamonds are girls best friend um, this guy decided that he was going to make his girlfriend his, the engagement ring. What did he do? Well, um, <laughs> he decided to save up his fingernail clippings for a whole year and then use them to turn them into an engagement ring. He even made a video to share the process with the rest of the world. 
It's a rather disturbing video that uh, was shared on Twitter where it, this video went absolutely viral. So in the video, he can be seen clipping his nails. He collects them in a jar. Then he grinds them all up into a powder once he has like a whole year's worth. He then appears to boil them by combining the powder he's made with some type of clear liquid in a frying pan. This creates like a gel-like texture, which he then bakes at 150 degrees for 90 minutes, turning into a substance that resembles wet clay. Once the nail clippings have reached this clay-like state, he molds it around a small rod shaping out the ring. He even carves out a little bulge on, to, on the top of it, which resembles the shape of where the diamond would be. Um, he then polishes the ring with a silver polish and drills a hole into the top of the little bulge where a diamond would normally rest. But instead of a diamond, he puts in a small, dull, black stone. Um, it's pretty disgusting. It's gotten a lot of attention. It has not been very positive attention. <laughs> uh, many people <laughs> who viewed the video called it just darn gross. So I don't know, how would you feel if uh, your beau gave you an engagement ring that he made, which I have no problem, the fact that somebody made you an engagement ring, but from his toenails, like, or I don't know if he got them from his hand nails or his toenails, but regardless, from his clippings. What do you think about that? Bleh. Uh, somebody wants me to repeat the texter's relationship rules again. All right. Yeah, I like the advice. It was good. Uh, one, no raising of the voice. So when you argue, you don't raise your voice. Number two, you don't interrupt. So you really listen to each other. Number three, you do not go to bed upset. And the last one, number four, agree to disagree whenever possible. Yeah. Uh, text writes, creative and original about the ring, but disgusting nonetheless. I, I, I think it'd be pretty disgusting. Um, <laughs> are you sure this is not the rapper? Sounds like the same idiot. <laughs> no, this guy's in Japan. <laughs> it is not the rapper. Uh, but just a little history on, on engagement rings. I, I figured this was, this, this came up as well. So figured I'd share with you, um, so some history because uh like why do we get you know engagement rings in the first place like who ever started this and why do women wear these things so apparently during the 1800s couples in america used thimbles as a sign of engagement when women when men proposed they would give women a thimble you know it's that sewing thing and on their wedding day the tip would be cut off and the thimble could be worn as a ring that doesn't sound very attractive. Uh, the first ever engagement rings were invented in 13th century Rome. Back then, the Pope demanded that Christians wait between their betrothal and their marriage for sex. They were just simple wedding rings worn on the left ring finger. In the early 1900s, there was a law called breach of promise to marry. It made it so that a woman could sue a man if he left her after he proposed, but before he married. When this rid ridiculous law was struck down, women saw engagement rings as a backup plan. If her fiancé left her since she couldn't sue him, she could sell the ring. So I guess the woman keeps the ring. Uh, and so why the left hand? 
the Egyptian, Greek, and Roman people believed in a vein called the Vena Amoris. It supposedly runs from the ring finger of the left hand to the heart. So the engagement ring was close to the wearer's heart in a way. So this is why we put it on that finger. Uh, the first diamond. Mary of Burgundy was the first lady to receive bling for her finger. Archduke Maximilian of Austria proposed to her in 1477 with a ring that had an M on it in diamonds. And then in the late 1800s, the diamond trade exploded and De Beers has control, had control uh, of most of the world's diamonds, I think even today. Uh, a way that their marketing team pushed the diamonds was by marketing them to men as a way to propose to women, making diamond rings an increasingly common engagement gift. Wow, that started in the 1800s. In the 1940s, they released an ad campaign with the slogan, A Diamond is forever and by marketing it as an important gift that would last for generations and signify a lasting love it cemented the diamond's place as the go-to gift in a proposal but now things are changing a little bit have you heard of the term blood diamonds that is a diamond that is mined in an area of conflict by forces that sell diamonds to finance cruel military actions those are called uh, conflict or blood diamonds. So a lot of people are moving away from the diamond tradition because they want to make sure that they are not funding any cruelty at all, which I'm pretty game for. Like, I just didn't know this about, uh, about diamonds, which I find uh, very interesting. So those are just... A few, uh, a few facts about uh, diamond rings. Coming up, we'll give you the answers to our Dirty Minds quiz. And we'll talk about one of Trump's rules that allowed doctors to discriminate against LGBTQ people. This is Passion on CJAD 800. You want the answer? The answer is the sun. For those of you who didn't hear the clues, I only go down on you at night. My going down on you can leave you cold. When I beat on you, I make you hot. I am the sun. Congratulations to Inez, who has won a one-month unlimited pass, 2360 punch. Congratulations, Inez. All right, here, this story to me was a, a slightly disturbing uh, as well. Um, so uh, here goes the story. A second federal judge has blocked the Trump administration's rule. I didn't even know there was this rule until now that would have allowed doctors to refuse to treat people if doing so violated their sincerely held religious beliefs, even in the case of a medical emergency. This comes just days after a judge in New York overturned the same Trump administration rule. I cannot believe that such a rule was in place. Uh, so this judge in Spokane vacated the rule in a case brought by the state of Washington against the Trump administration, according to several observers who were in the courtroom. The Department of Health and Human Services passed its conscience rule 
this past May, and it would have gone into effect on November 22nd. The rule would have allowed healthcare workers to refuse to treat people if doing so violated their religious beliefs, even without notifying their employers. The rule also expanded the types of workers who could claim a religious exemption to doing their jobs to include billing staff and receptionists. The rule would have cut federal health funding to employers and states that the Trump administration believed were not properly respecting health care workers' religious freedoms. Of course, LGBTQ, women's rights, and public health advocates all spoke out against the expansive religious exemption, and a federal judge in New York decided against this on the rule earlier this week. He said that the problems with the rule were numerous, fundamental, and far-reaching, saying that the conscience rule violated federal anti-discrimination law and federal anti-patient dumping law. It allocated funds in a way that Congress did not approve. The Trump administration could not show a need for the rule change, and the process used to change the rule violated both the Administrative Procedures Act and the Constitution. Two judges in two days have recognized the denial of care rule for what it is, an egregious and unconstitutional attack on women, LGBT people, and other vulnerable populations. Um, One person said the rulings will likely save countless lives. The denial of care rule targets some of our most marginalized and vulnerable communities and deserves to be relegated to the dustbin of history isn't that absolutely appalling to me that is just appalling really really uh all right uh let's see this this is in fun it is actually really funny and the pictures are funny if you want to go online and look at this but this is the headline okay woman prepares for rent inspection by pulling butt plug off bathroom wall only to have the tile come off with it. So in Australia, uh, when you're renting, apparently it's very commonplace that you get an inspector that comes into your house every three to six months. In Australia, that's how they do it, to check that everything is okay or, or what have you. These are rental inspections. So she was about to have a rental inspection and realized, uh-oh, I should take down the butt plug that I have in my bathroom that's on a tile. Now, why is it on the tile? She says she cleans it and then suctions it to the wall to let it dry. But I guess it, I don't know, it stays there or whatever. So she goes to take it off and she ends up peeling off the... um, the tile instead, that the suction was really uh, uh, strong. Uh, and anyway, it was just a funny story. And if you look at the pictures, it, it really is kind of funny. So uh, I guess she just has to make the repairs. But can you imagine the inspector coming in and seeing that? Uh, you know Suzanne Summers, remember her? She's had a few kooky things in her day and has said some kooky things, a, a la you know, Gwyneth Paltrow kind of stuff. Anyway, she says that she and her husband get special shots to help them have sex twice a day. She says it just stimulates that part of your brain that says, hey, I'm kind of in the mood. 
Uh, She's 73, by the way, and she revealed in the Daily Mail that she and her husband, Alan Alan Hamill, 83, have sex twice a day with a little help from weekly shots of PT-141. I don't think that it's something that actually is available, just saying. I don't think it's FDA approved, uh, at least not in Canada, for sure not. Uh, It is a a melanocortin-based peptide that generates sexual arousal. She says, I'm kind of in that groove, like when you were younger and you're in the mood all the time, and so is he because he's on hormone replacements. She said, since they've been married in 1977, they have enjoyed taking shots of PT-141, so this is a long time already, on a weekly basis. She said, um, I thought, wow, what a great thing. Because men have had Viagra, but this is actually a shot for both men and women. That's that's not a drug. If it's not a drug, what the hell is it? It just stimulates that part of your brain that says, hey, I'm kind of in the mood. And so isn't that a wonderful thing? And it's not a drug, so I love it. So you're injecting something. Do we know what it is? Even if it's natural, it's a drug nonetheless. Um, <clears throat> while the couple typically has sex twice a day, she admitted that she struggles to stay awake for both rounds of intercourse. So she's struggling to stay awake, but she insists she has to have sex twice a day. I, I don't get it. She says, I usually say I sleep through one of them. Does that make any sense to you? So she has sex twice a day, but one of them she's sleeping. <laughs> uh, she says that's usually that one at four o'clock in the morning. But you know, then again, around eight in the morning, I'm in the mood. Anyway, she wrote a book recently, uh, says uh, the name of the book, Two's Company, A 50-Year Romance with Lessons Learned in Love, Life, and Business. She told people before the book's release that the couple have sex every day, sometimes more. I love it. Every couple is different. This is just what works for us. Alan has the blood pressure of an athlete, and he claims that sex is his daily cardio workout and says that it's a hell of a lot more fun than a treadmill. She also explained how they have kept their marriage fresh in and out of the bedroom for the past four decades. We give each other a lot of attention. We date at least three times a week. We dance when we are alone. We are respectful of one another. We both value our good health. I never get tired of him. We laugh a lot. The moment I open up my eyes in the morning, Alan says, I'm sorry, which always cracks me up. We are each other's everything. I've never had a night out with the girls, and Alan's never had a night out with the boys. I think that's a bit problematic, mind you. We are lovers, parents, and business partners. We are best friends. And just a little while ago, for her 73rd birthday, uh, she did a topless uh, photo shoot, by the way. I think it was published somewhere, but anyhow. Uh, And that's about it for our news uh, this week. Thank you all so much for tuning in and spending your time with me. Thanks to Aaron Lakoff, our technical producer. Thank you to Linda DeLisi, our passion researcher as well. If you want to connect with me on social media, at Dr. Lori Batito. Don't forget, you can also go on my website and find all the past podcasts. So you can listen at your leisure and they're all there by title so you can if there's a a topic that interests you then uh, you can go pull it down and just listen whenever you want coming up next here on cjd we bring you the ctv national news
Have a great rest of the evening, a wonderful weekend, and remember to live your life with passion. 